Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, this is Steve. We take our movies pretty seriously at the Cinephiles. We like digging deep into themes, history, filmmaking, and the lives of the artists behind the most powerful films ever made. But the truth is, as much as I like that deep stuff after a long day, I actually don't want to jump into Italian neorealism, the French New Wave, or some other movie I'm supposed to watch. Most of the time, I just want to turn off my brain and watch something dumb and fun. And I can't think of anything that fits that description better than the 1996 Jerry Bruckheimer, Simon West classic, Con Air. Call it mindless action. Say it has ridiculous characters in a completely unbelievable situation. Call it the epitome of 90s action movie excess. And I'll probably agree with you on every point. But this movie still makes me smile. Part of it is the unbelievable ensemble led by Malkovich, Cusack, and of course Nick Cage. Part of it is that it knows how ridiculous this whole thing is. And part of it is just that special Bruckheimer touch. So, if you haven't seen Con Air, head over to our website, cinephiles.net, then fasten your seatbelt, get your seat in an upright position, because this Friday, the Cinephiles is being hijacked by the delightfully ridiculous Con Air. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Welcome back to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, but this week we're doing Con Air. <laughs> great beginning. Great beginning. <clears throat> Perfectly said. Uh, this was a, a Patreon pick from Ken Reels, who's been one of our our, oh, yeah. our big supporters for a long time. Love Ken. Um, and uh, so I would first off want to hear how, what Ken Reels, why did you pick this film? Hey, John and Steve. Ken here from Bridgewater, New Jersey, and I wanted to congratulate you guys on finally getting to one of my favorite actors in one of my favorite movies, Nick Cage in Con Air. I remember seeing this movie for the first time, and it was absolutely hilarious for all the right reasons, and I hope you guys enjoy breaking it down as much as I will enjoy listening to you break it down. Wow. (laughs) Great words from Ken. I didn't expect the uh, Nicolas Cage Alabama accent, but that was pretty well done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I should say that we John hasn't actually heard what no, Ken I had never to say. He, I never hear until afterwards. <laughs> I suppose so, so, sometimes I have them ahead of time and sometimes I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but so this is a funny one because, of course, we're looking at our list of Patreon people and some of the people that have been supporting us for a long time and looking through lists of films and which yeah. ones you do. And both of us went, Con Air would be fun. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it just kind of popped up. We're like, hell yeah. And, and, and this is the thing. It's like we've done a lot of serious movies in 2019. We did A yeah. Month of Hitchcock. We did Network. We did Shawshank. We did Inglorious Bastards. We did a lot of, we did Braveheart, which was a lot of research yeah. and a lot, you know. And I think both you and I went, let's do something fun. Yep. And this definitely goes, I can't defend Con Air, <laughs> but it goes into a guilty pleasure category for me. Oh, yeah. I find it totally amusing. Do you remember how you first came to it? Uh, in the theaters, I'm sure. 
I'm sure I went to see it. <laughs> I mean, because the just it felt like a Michael Bay film, and it was at that time in the '90s when I went to saw, see every Michael Bay film. And he does produce. I uh, no, no, actually, he doesn't produce so. it at all. No. So it's uh, Simpson and Bruckheimer, or Bruckheimer, I think, and then Simon West. But it, I'll be damned if it doesn't feel like a Michael Bay film. So, oh, totally. You know. Um, so I went to see it, and I had a blast um, all around. I think this is right after Forrest Gump. Is that right? Or right a couple of years. So McKelty Williamson being a part of this is yeah. really interesting. But Nicolas Cage at this time in the mid nineties. This is peak Nick this Cage. Is peak Nick Cage. And so like you're you're like, okay, this is when he can play anything, romantic comedy, Oscar winning films, an action hero. It's all in his wheelhouse during the nineties, and this is one of the best. It's such I mean, well let's talk well let me, I'll tell you how I came to yeah, the film and we'll sure. talk I'd like to talk a little about Nick Cage. <clears throat> saw it in the theater. Yep. And I I think I liked it when I saw it. I feel like I saw it in the Chinese. And then this was one there I worked on the DVD. Oh, right. So I watched it a bunch. And as I know I've said before in the show, there were some movies where the more I watched them, the worse they got. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, by the way, The Rock would fall into that category for me. I'm with you, man. I don't know why people love The Rock as much as they do. I do not enjoy The Rock. And, and and then there's some movies that I didn't, this didn't bother me to watch over and over again. Yeah. And I think, and this is what we'll talk about, is that this movie, unlike some others, fully acknowledges its ridiculousness. Yes. It, it, is, it, it is stupid. It knows it's stupid. It knows it's just throwing out every cliche in the book and every yeah. ridiculous line. And it's good with that. And so I think so, so am I. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is our first Nick Cage movie. What? Yeah. We gotta we gotta rectify that. And you know what else? Someone else, which actually is more disturbing to me, yeah. that someone pointed out on shirt. I think it's our first John Cusack movie. We never did Raising Arizona. We never did it. We talked about it a little bit when we did um, uh, No Country for Old Men, right? And what was the oh, and Lebowski? We right. talked about Raising. Arizona. I love Raising Arizona. Oh, we need to put Raising Arizona. Yeah, totally. And we haven't done. We haven't done High Fidelity. We haven't done uh, Gross Point Blank. We haven't. Right. There's a whole bunch of John Cusack movies that I love. Right. That we, we haven't, haven't done. done. Okay. Um, but so let's talk a little about Nick Cage. Of course, he was born Nicholas Kim Coppola. Yes. Because he is the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, went to Beverly Hills High, and then he has this really interesting early bunch of movies. Yeah. His debut is Fast Times, mm-hmm. um, and then he's in Valley Girl, which is that was one of those like '80s VHS rentals that went around a lot. Yeah. At the time. Um, and he's in Rumblefish, Birdie, and then in 87 is Raising Arizona and Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. I love Raising Arizona. Yeah, me too. I don't think I have any desire ever to see Moonstruck again. I don't think I care. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it, and I don't think I'll ever see it. I think I liked it. Okay. He does Vampire's Kiss, which is another That's totally I, I remember bizarre. renting that one and enjoying it. <laughs> Just because, well, and he's this weird creature. Yep. Like, you, he's in Wild at Heart, which is a, another... There's a lot there. We yeah. Haven't, we haven't done a David Lynch movie, by the way, yet. Okay. He's not your favorite. No, not at all. He's but not mine either. But Wild at Heart is one of the rare ones that yeah. I like from him. Um, and uh, and then in 95, and he's, so he's known as this weird, quirky, odd duck of an actor. Right. And then in 95, he does Leaving Las Vegas. And Leaving Las Vegas is in a very short list of movies that I saw it in the theater, yeah. walked out of the theater and went... I never want to see that movie again. <laughs> I, even though I know it's great. It was great. Yeah. I thought it was an amazing movie. I haven't seen it since. Yeah. It so messed me up. It was so painful and upsetting. And I was like, I acknowledge that his performance is amazing. Done. I, I wonder if people had the same reaction coming out of Leaving Las Vegas as they did coming out of The Lost Weekend with Ray Land. Yeah. Back then. I bet. Seeing alcoholism portrayed in such a way that was unsettling. 
and there was no way of stopping that person. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is what we're talking about, about peak Nick yeah. Cage. Yeah. Because 95 wins the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Then 96 is The Rock, which is a huge hit, yes. which I totally loved in the theater and liked it less every single time I saw it after <laughs> it. <clears throat> then Con Air is 97. Yeah. Face Off comes out the same month as Con Air, right. which is a mixed movie. Yes, at best. Yeah. It's too bad because I'm such a John Woo fan. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. Um, and then you have Snake Eyes, 8mm, Bringing Out the Dead, Gone in 60 Seconds, Family Man, Wind Talkers. Yes. Which you were in. Yes. And then in Adaptation, he earns another Oscar nomination in 2002. So from 95 to 2002, man, he's doing a lot. He is. Yeah. Um, and, then since the, and then since we've had National Treasure and a few other things, and right. mostly, you know, it's Nick Cage. Yeah. He's Nick Cage now. Every once in a while, he pops up in something that's great, like him voicing Spider-Man Noir in right. Into the Spider-Verse. Fantastic. And you remember how much you love Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Well, he's one of those... He is Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I mean, and, and what's funny is going from the Leaving Las Vegas character into The Rock, which made sense as kind of the nerdy character, yeah. mm-hmm. but then the switch into Con Air. Yeah. That is just something else. Mm-hmm. Um. I have the smallest amount of pre-production. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bunch of people got together, turned on the cameras, so, and shot this thing. Well, I, you, I'm sure you remember that there was Die Hard. Yep, and then Speed came out, and what did they describe Speed as? Yeah. Die Hard on a bus. Die Hard on a bus. Right, right. And then <laughs> they go Die Hard on a battleship, and that is Under Siege. Under Siege, right, with Steven Seagal. And, and now we get to. The, this is Die Hard on Con Air. Yeah. I mean, like it is that you know that's what the pitch is. Apparently, Bruckheimer read there really are these military or um, um, uh, penal transport planes. Mm-hmm. They're nothing like this. Bruckheimer read an article about them and said, "I want to do a movie about this," and that is where this comes from. That sounds perfect. Here's what I didn't know. So this is the first Jerry Bruckheimer movie without Don Simpson. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought it was because Don Simpson was sick and because he died right around this time. Yeah. Don Simpson said, this is a stupid idea. (laughs) I don't want anything to do with it. They actually decided to part ways before he died, which I didn't know. Wow. Uh, Simon West is the director. He doesn't go on any list of directors that are Mm -hmm. that great. What I didn't know about him, he directed... The Rickroll video. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. You mean the original? Yes. Rick, the Rick Astley. Astley. Never yes. going to give you up. Never going to give you up. That is directed yeah. by Simon West. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> that is the totality <laughs> of my pre-production. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a lot of commentary tracks on this one. No, there wasn't. And I looked around. You know, I did some looking around yeah. to find some information that I could find. I found a little bit of things. But yeah. A film know. like this, what do you need pre-pro for? Look, we're going to... We're going to get into some Con Air. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, and uh, we start with a documentary on Army Rangers. So great. Which is just a like plant to get out a couple of ideas that these are like the best of the best. We never leave a fallen comrade behind. It's very important to know that. And thanks a lot for your service. You're out. Yeah. That is the beginning of the movie. We show up at a bar um, and sees Monica Potter, who plays Trisha, his wife. I love Monica Potter. <laughs> yeah. Had an incredible two-hour conversation with her at a SAG Awards one time. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, we were holding two 40s of Heineken and just sitting there talking. She's from Cleveland. She's a Cleveland girl, down-home girl. We just sat and talked the whole time. And all these other actors, famous actors, came up to try to interrupt us and pull her away. I was not keeping her there. And she pushed them all away or brushed them all off. 
so that we could just keep talking. And I had the greatest time with I her. I bet. Yeah. She's well, so she, cool. Yeah, she's super cool. Yeah. Um, and she's being super cool with uh uh Cameron Poe, which is Cameron Nick Cage's Poe. character's name, who has a wonderful Alabama accent. Yes. That is, you know, something. You're gonna be in Miss Alabama? Well, that makes your daddy very proud. And as he's talking to his obvious wife and talking to her pregnant belly, yeah, we get classic bar assholes. Yeah. That are so ridiculous and over the top. Yep. They actually I mean the 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 military guy walks in, they immediately start hassling him, including uh saying to him because pussies like you lost Vietnam, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Vietnam. You know who says that? <laughs> Who's that? It's fucking Wayne Grow. <laughs> it's fucking Wayne Grow from Heat. That is hilarious. Your favorite guy. I hate Wayne Grow. Oh my god. He well, is a, a fine asshole. Yeah, he's a great asshole. I was so mad when I rewatching the movie for this podcast. I'd forgotten that he was in the movie. He plays the villain. Oh, the quick little villain, right? <laughs> the, the, well, and this is like the, there's so many movies where the guy gets hassled in the bar and you know he's got to fight them. Yep. And this one, it, it really skips all pretense oh, of, yeah. and it's just like, yes, we know what's going to happen. Yes. Let's get there as quickly as possible. And she says, and there's a moment where he starts to stand up to them or get angry. And she goes, no, for a second there, you were that guy again. Yeah. The that guy again. <laughs> It's a lot of subtext. Up. Oh, and it, it's what guy was this? Yeah, levels, man, levels. It's, some deep, deep anger. Yeah. But he, you know, he gets past it. We have a little dance, and later on, we're running through the rain under a coat. And oh, here come the assholes. Yeah, um, and just the ridiculousness of the scenario that these three guys would want to attack and apparently attack the girl right in this situation. Um, and we're in front of, again, this is the Bruckheimer stuff. Where are we? We're in front of like an oil drill. There's flames shooting of off in the pouring rain because we got to have the visuals. And he tells her to get in the car, get surrounded by three guys. They knock him down. She runs off for help. He's fighting back. A guy pulls a knife. And then we have the slow-mo heel hand into yep. the nose, driving the nose into the brain pan, I assume, and killing a dude. Killing Wangro. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he deserves. And some guy takes the knife, so the knife isn't in evidence. And the guy that she had gone to get help comes up and says he's dead. Yeah, because and this is this is I will call this screenwriting efficiency. Yeah, sure. It's like we're four minutes in. Get him in jail already. We need to get the guy in jail. We're yeah. not really going to go deep on this stuff. He has the worst lawyer in the world. Yeah, and by the way, he would have never gone to jail. No, as self defense, three against one. Well, they make this, and I, I really, I actually genuinely spent six minutes of research <laughs> trying to find out because the judge says, well, because of your service in the military, you are a lethal weapon, and therefore the rules of self defense do not apply. Bullshit. And I've heard this for years, yeah. and I went, well, is this true? Is there anything? No, I couldn't find nope. in my six minutes of dedicated research on this legal question. Sure. I could find nothing that Other said anything. Like he was attacked by three dudes. There's a witness. Yes, someone pulled the got rid of the knife, but yeah, come on, yeah, seven to ten years. Plus, he's a returning hero from the war. So yeah, like, there's no way that a judge puts this guy in jail for seven years. <laughs> but this is what happens: killing a bar asshole. No way, <laughs> Wayne Grow. Yeah, Wayne Grow, no less. Um, and so we go off into jail, and we have the cat calls as he arrives. There are a couple of like Shawshanky little 
references because this movie is a movie of referencing other movies. Yeah. That's what we're going to get a lot of. And he's writing a letter in his beautiful Alabama accent, <laughs> um, which uh, apparently he did go and lived in Alabama for a while to get what? the accent right. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, I think what's weird is it, it is not the worst accent I've ever heard, but it's layered on top of Nicolas Cage's bizarre way yeah. of speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is Simon West's ode to Citizen Kane, to be honest. <laughs> this, this, this letter back and forth between him and his, uh, sure. un, un, his daughter. Sure. Uh, this is essentially the breakfast scenes uh, from yes. Citizen we're Kane. We're going to skip forward seven yep. years. Seven years. Um, and we're hearing this letter, and we, we do meet... Uh, Dear Dad. Uh, we meet Baby O, which is McKelty Williamson. Yep. McKelty Williamson, yeah. And uh, and we see kind of you know, the pictures of the daughter on the wall. Yeah. And he says, here I am in the worst place on earth. And we see rioting behind him in flames, and he's just ignoring it. And he says, but I'm the luckiest man alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this character is so ridiculous. Um. And uh, we hear the girls going to preschool. And of course, by, by the way, I think I, I one thing we should have said in the transition from leaving Las Vegas to The Rock to this, right? He is yoked. He is yoked. Nicholas Cage yeah, he put re- on he some, yeah, some muscle. He's doing like uh, yoga with his legs folded, lifting himself up and shit. He, yeah, he's, no, he's doing he, all kinds. How, does do they never visit for the seven years? No, that's what's crazy. No, he says he says later on he wouldn't want his little girl to see him in this world. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. That's convenient as hell. Yeah, because you're a terrible person. Right. Um, I mean, it, well, because he has a code of honor that is absolute. Yeah. Other than that guy who shouldn't come out. Right. Which we never see, really. No. Um, he is a 100% honorable. You know, this is like the... Um, you know, Count of Monte Cristo, like you're just in jail working out and probably reading, you know, important books of yes. literature and building your brain. And and he writes uh, to his wife, who he calls Hummingbird. Dear Hummingbird, break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, because this boy's coming home to his ladies, coming home forever. I just hope I'm not a disappointment to Casey or to you. And that's the end of the credit sequence. And... Now we see that it's July 14th. It's his little girl's birthday. He has a bunny for her as a gift. I don't know where he got that. And he has his parole document. From Red. Yeah. Red got him. Red. Red got him. Red got it for He's a man who could get you things. He's been known from time to time to acquire certain things. Can you get me a bunny? (laughs) Um, And... uh, and there's this whole conversation with Baby O, who's not getting out of prison, how he's going to miss him. Yeah. Except then they end up walking out together, both with boxes. It's so, it's so just convenient. Yeah. Like, th- there's so many things that I teach in school about, you have to, why is this happening? This has to make sense. Would they really do this? Is this how they would really do it? Is this motivation make sense? Does this character make sense? Does the situation make sense? Does the science make sense? Does the physics make sense? And this movie proves that I'm completely full of shit. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's so many things in this movie where it's like, wait, he just like said, hey, I'm going to miss you, buddy. And then they're walking out together to get yeah. on the same bus to get on the same plane because apparently he's being transferred in the same direction that this one guy is going because that's where he's going to get out. Yeah. Which none of it makes any right. no damn sense at all. Nope. And, then, and then there's a moment, Nick Cage, there's certain kind of acting from him, which is so phony and so Nick Cage, and he says, <laughs> I'm going home, son! 
<laughs> it's so over the top. It's just random explosions of of, of, uh, of emotion. energy. Yeah. yeah, we got ourselves a family here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he has things that like is that. exactly oh, yeah. that that thing all through the even in leaving Las Vegas. He has that moment with Shawnee Smith at the bar. He has that one moment where he explodes. So everything happens always. He always says that in one of all his movies. I think I, I wrote it down. I didn't say it, but I think he describes his acting style. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, his word for his acting style is mercurial no nouveau shamanic shamanic oh shamanic oh, shamanic shamanic, shamanic. All right. nouveau shamanic okay sure uh also described as mega acting oh mega acting <laughs> i like mega acting um yeah <laughs> there's a certain point where it's like that's not acting that's just kind of nick caging yeah um oh i like that nick caging and uh now we're gonna get our intro to the con airplane and- <laughs> U.S. Marshal Service annually flies 155,000 prisoners around the country for transfers, legal hearings, and medical exams. As you know, today's flight is a special one. They're populating their new Supermax facility, designed to warehouse the worst of the worst. Right. Lifers, death row, pure predators. It's like the great escape of, uh, we're going to put all the worst criminals on this plane. Yeah. <laughs> on one plane. <laughs> on one plane. And uh, as the plane is coming, we're also uh, uh, with our bus, and we meet Bishop, who is a, a lady guard. Yep. Um, and now we hear another little plant that Baby O needs his insulin injection. And he didn't get it last night, and it's waiting for him on board the plane. And now we hear, again, Poe says, As long as I make it home on time, it makes no never mind. It's my daughter's birthday. Well, congratulations. I got locked down three months before she was born. She ain't never seen me. And that's where he goes into this, no way she was going to meet him in a visiting room. Mm-hmm. To which Bishop replies, What you got here is a walking, talking reason to rehabilitate. The great Rachel, Rachel Ticketon. Oh, that's who that is. Yeah, from Total Recall. And uh, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. She had a little bit of a mini run there as well, uh, trying to be on stuff. And, you know, she's a teen actress, so I was supporting her. I bet there's a whole, as you should. Yeah. Um, I bet there's a whole group of people who would like us to do Total Recall as much as they would like us to do Con Air. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't know if I could do it. I don't have the same reverence for, no. for Total Recall no. as I do for It hit me. It, but time. people love it. There I are know. people that love that movie. They really yeah. do. They quote it like crazy. Yeah. Um, I watched it many times at a certain time of my life because you just watched all the Arnold movies. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't love it so much. Um, John Cusack. Uh, apparently, he hates this film so much, he will refuse to answer a question about it. <laughs> if anyone brings up Con Air in, a, in, a movie, in an interview, he's like, nope. Oh, my God. He's done way worse movies than Con <laughs> I Air. I think so, too. should calm it down a little bit, John. Um, Relax, Francis. And, Lighten up. Yeah. And we're going to meet him. He's the sort of intellectual guy who runs the Con Air plane, who's right. very perfectionist and articulate. And we're going to meet his nemesis, Colm Meany. Yeah, Colm. Which is, this is peak next generation right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was such a, it was so exciting to see him in a movie mm-hmm. doing an American accent. I was like, <laughs> or trying. Yeah. The fringes of that accent, sure. is, that uh, Irish accent is always there. And he plays Duncan Malloy of the DEA. Um, Duncan Malloy. And he pulls up in his beautiful Corvette, parks it in a handicapped space. As kicker. Yeah. <laughs> As kicker. And we're like, <laughs> and again, I'm not admiring the poetry or depth or thematic power of this screenplay, but you get who this dude is <laughs> with about... 15 seconds of screen time. Literally, brevity is the soul of wit here. <laughs> it's definitely the soul of something. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see 
the big truck with motorcycles and a helicopter and all of this stuff flying in. And it's like, this is the full Bruckheimer. Yeah. This is what it is. It's just so... And I think this is why I like this particular one is that it doesn't... I'm not going to go into Armageddon with you, but with Armageddon, it's like Armageddon does all of these things, but then also tries to be serious, which is where it kind of loses me. Sure. And this doesn't. This is like, no, we know what we're doing here. This is silly. I think this is the year before Armageddon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's it's the year before. Okay, so here's what I'll say to you, because and I know we're about to get to the introduction of all these people. Yeah. Um, I think Con Air was a dry run for Armageddon. I totally agree. Right? I, I, well, they're connected. There's yeah. definitely, with the ensemble and the way we meet the, the iconic sort of characters within right. the ensemble. Right. Totally. And the idea of using independent film actors mm-hmm. in these big yep. action epics, right? We're about to meet, you hear, you see jo- this John Malkovich is in this thing. John Cusack is in this thing. These are not known for being big studio guys. Uh, of course, Nicolas Cage uh, uh, is already a, stu- a stu- uh, you know a star, but you get it littered with a bunch of people in this. Ving Rhames is not a big star at this no. point. There's so many people in this no, I mean, movie that this are is... just independent. Cole Meany independent as well. Steve yeah. Buscemi, Danny Trejo, right? Danny like, Trejo, like this. Buscemi, yeah. This this movie has a fantastic ensemble. Yeah, like and and for whatever, however they actually feel about this movie later on, they all deliver great. Oh, little moments do. absolutely uh, they're silly but they deliver good moments yep. and so as this group is coming in we hear that the reason the dea is here is that there's some big drug kingpin yeah and we want to put an undercover agent onto the plane to get the confession while they're flying uh and, th- and we meet our agent which is uh jose zuniga yeah um and he's in tons of stuff yes tons and tons one of, of those stuff. character latino character actors yeah. in a million things and <laughs> i love I love that they make they make the character choice of Cusack's character, Vince, is the guy with the big words. So he says, We got you a seat right next to him, and he's known to be somewhat garrulous in the company of thieves. Garrulous? What the fuck is garrulous? That would be loquacious, verbose, effusive. How about chatty? <laughs> and then the, what's with dictionary boy? And I it's love, actually a thesaurus boy. Thesaurus, yes. <laughs> That's a good joke. It is a good joke. And immediately we get into, do you have your gun? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't have a gun on my plane. Right. It's like, well. Our agents have guns. You know, they have to carry a gun. He's going to be in there with a... And then, again, we get some exposition. Look, there's a small arsenal in the belly of the plane and the pistol in the cockpit, and that's it. No guns on this plane. And then, finally, uh, Colm says, okay, no gun. And there's a little eye look that says, oh, no, you're up to something. Yeah. And now we have the slow-motion guards in Bruckheimer fashion. Um, And now we hear the introduction of our characters. Well, we told you today's flight would be special. That's William Bedford, a.k.a. Billy Bedlam. Mass murderer? The same. And who is that good-looking brother on screen? Nathan Jones, a.k.a. Diamond Dog, former general of the Black Gorillas. He blew up a meeting of the National Rifle Association saying, and I quote, they represented the basest negativity of the white race. He wrote a book in prison called Reflections in a Diamond Eye. New York Times called it a wake-up call for the black community. They're talking to Denzel for the movie. Again, it was like, mass murderer cliche yeah and now we have the black nationalist uh yeah uh, iconic character and now we get cyrus grissom cyrus the virus yeah i love malkovich he's so good in these things he's great in this yeah um apparently they originally auditioned william defoe william defoe and mickey Rourke for this role oh i like that it went to Malkovich. i like they went because malkovich is they're both. They both have yeah. threatening aspects to their characters, but Malkovich is odd and witty and yeah. strange. He's witty. That's the key. Yeah, 
And as each of these guys are coming in, they're locking them into these cages. So they're handcuffed, chains on their feet, I think, locked into these little cages. So it seems like there's no way these guys could possibly get out. <laughs> now our bus pulls up. Uh, we meet, oh, we meet Dave Chappelle. There's mm-hmm. another indie, interesting yeah. uh, character actor who comes in who's yep. very funny. And we have the moment of Nick Cage stepping off the bus and feeling the wind in his face. It is. We also, we discussed that he's yoked. Yeah. Let's take a moment for his hair. Yeah. I mean, his, his mullet is uh, incredible. <laughs> it's really. It was just so, it's such a perfect Alabama mullet. Oh, absolutely. Who's that guy? That is Cameron Poe, a parolee hitching a ride home. He's a nobody. Again, this is this is under siege. Like it's the cook that yeah. is the guy. That's not that I'm recommending Under Siege as a particularly good movie, mm-hmm. although I watched it many times. It's the that... best of the Seagulls. Oh yeah, yeah, by that, far. That is a low, a low standard. Sure, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. A low bar. <laughs> um, um, but like John McClane, right? John McClane's just showing up yep. for the Christmas party. Just, just, just happened to be there. And then we hear as he's going in that nobody knows this cop, undercover cop, is an undercover cop, right? And we see everyone sort of getting scanned. They have little wrist things that are getting scanned. People are getting searched. Uh, they find in Nick's front pocket a picture of his daughter from the big guard. Well, I don't care if it's a weeper mama. Christ, there's no personal possessions on this airplane. Just as long as you know I'll be getting that back at some point. Are you telling me what I'm going to be doing here, numb nuts? You heard me. And there's this moment of confrontation. Yeah. You know what I think that is? What is that? I think it's that guy. Yeah, it's that guy coming out, almost coming out. It's that guy. Oh, no. He's got to calm it down. (laughs) Except that makes no sense at all for his character. Why would this guy step up to this guy at this moment? But fortunately, Bishop comes in. She intervenes. And we get in the plane. We meet Pinball. Babio is sitting next to, to Nick. And and as the last person coming on is our DE agent, the undercover guy, mm-hmm. Cole Meany does a very thorough search on him, checks his mouth, checks his neck, checks his sides, goes down to his ankles where he slips his uh, revolver into his sock. Yep. And again, because this is actually a well-structured movie in some ways, we go, well, this is not going to be a good thing. Right. This is going to pay itself off. Not that it really has any real bearing on anything that happens, actually. Everything mm-hmm. would kind of go the same. And Pinball set, sits next to a man who is a Native American. Yeah. Who he calls Cochise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, is ni- this is a 90s movie. Oh, yeah. That moment. There's going to be some other moments that are going to come yeah. up. Uh, and Billy Bedlam makes eye contact with Poe. And- what you looking at, punk? Nothing. I was just admiring your cage. And the guard welcomes all the celebrities and says, you know, you got to obey the rules. You get the treatment. And one guy spits and he says, bag and gag this Nazi motherfucker and hits him. And they put a gag on him and they put a bag over his head. And Malkovich can speak Spanish. And he talks to Danny Trejo, who is Johnny 23, because he is a rapist and has 23 counts of rapes. And they're tattooed on his arms as roses, I think. Yeah. And then Bishop walks by and we know what that is implying. And just as Malkovich was sort of seeming nice to Danny Trejo's character, he says, Anyway, I despise rapists. For me, you're somewhere between a cockroach and that white stuff that accumulates at the corner of your mouth when you're really thirsty. There was apparently a lot of improv in this movie. Oh! I don't know if that line was one, but there's some stuff that just seems like Malkovich. Right, right. You know, it feels like... he He's like... I, I wouldn't make the comparison with Nick Cage, but... They both have a way of delivering lines. Oh yeah, that is so them, 
That is that just when it works in a movie well, it really works well. And they both have proclivity to do some cheesy films. Yes, they do. They go straight to DVD and then show up in some awesome, awesome yep. films as well. And then we notice that Cyrus and Ving Rhames, uh, Diamond Dog, are doing something with their hands. There's something in their skin, and they each pull out this metal pin to pick their cuffs, and the plane takes off. And by the way, the design of the plane is awesome. Yeah. It's a C-123 that was specially you know, converted to look like this. It looks ridiculous, Yeah, but awesome. Um, and they pick their, lo- their, their locks and they free themselves from their handcuffs, but they're still in the cage. And then, uh, Poe looks over and sees that pinball Dave Chappelle is pulling a string out of his throat yeah. and pulls out some weird vial of stuff. Hey chief, did you come through this all right? Hope you don't hold a grudge. And then sprays the liquid on him and lights him on fire. Ugh. Yeah. Terrible stuff. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's a panic in the plane. They grab their extinguisher and they put them out. And in in the confusion, Pinball grabs the keys and opens up the door for Diamond Dog, who comes out and starts, you know, kicking some ass. Mm-hmm. The guards are scrambling. They're calling for a taser. And the one thing that was about to happen in this moment that I didn't mention is that Baby O was about to get a shot of yep. insulin. Yep. But all the insulin breaks. The pilot grabs his gun and is going to go out to see what's going on and they finally get Cyrus out who runs to the cockpit and grabs the gun from the pilot just as he comes out and goes in the cockpit Cyrus says the cockpit radio to them there was a disturbance but everything is under control or I'll kill you and the guy's like well if you kill me no one's going to fly the plane and he says I never think that far ahead and if you say a word about this over the radio the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse yikes in that Malkovich Delivery. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. <laughs> so again, in terms of screenplay structure, yeah, we're like 25 minutes into the movie. This is the end of Act One. Yes. That is a as clear an end of Act One as you can get to. Welcome to Con Air. So on board, they're dragging some dead folks around, and Bishop is now trained up, chained up, and gets a look from Johnny Twenty Three, mm-hmm. Danny Trejo, and there's obviously a threat there. And Trejo's starting to move in on Bishop, and Poe comes up and says, "I can't allow that. You know what I am? Ugly all day. This ain't happening. Not here. Not now. And Cyrus is on his side." Relax, he's right. Not here, not now. Do you fly, Johnny? No. You keep that in mind when you look at her, because if your dick jumps out of your pants, you jump out of this plane. Which surprises Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he thought that Cyrus was... But but this is the interesting thing that's going to happen, is that really Poe's going to be an ally to Cyrus on some level, because he's smart. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? 
free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. And now we're about to land in Carson City, and we got to get the the info on who, which prison, who comes on and who comes off right. so we can get rid of the right people. And Billy Bedlam asks, you know, like, you're landing? Have you lost your mind? And Cyrus's response is... According to my last psych evaluation, yes. And then uh, Ving Rhames makes a little announcement that, you know, you think you're free, you're not. We still have a lot of stuff to get through, but we're going to try to get to an extradition, you know, country yeah. and we'll be sl- sipping uh drinks with umbrellas and then the d agent gets unlocked and we see his hands as he's getting unlocked from pinball down near where that gun is yeah and the da grabs his gun and yells everybody freeze it's not a good plan no desperate plan and cyrus not being the bravest guy hides behind bishop and puts a gun to bishop's head and so apparently in the world of con air dea agents are horrible horrible people Yes. He says, So you think I give a shit about that little bitch guard you have there right now? Maybe you didn't hear what I said. I'm DEA. You know what the fuck that means? What does it mean, John? I don't, I don't know what it, it means. I never served in the DEA. <laughs> what, are they like just like the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world that has no consequences? They're a bunch of cowboys. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Yeah. Cyrus insults. Uh, he says he didn't care about Bishop the guard. And Cyrus goes, I don't care about pinball. In a very insulting manner, which I will not repeat. Sure. And DA continues to threaten pinball, and it doesn't work. And up comes Nick Cage and says, You know you're in a situation you can't control, right? I can't control it? I can't control it? You did, man. And a guy comes up behind the DEA agent who he shoots, and then he, of course, gets killed. Yeah. So Poe, very calm under this circumstance, and Cyrus notices it and asks his name and says, Nice work. And posts it back down to Babio, who says, Nice going, son. Not only did you not save this dude's life, you done made best friends with Cyrus the damn virus. <laughs> How do you feel about Cameron Poe at this point in the film? Um, I like Cameron Poe. <laughs> he's a noble guy. He's, he's <laughs> trying to do what's right in every situation that he's in. He is. He doesn't always succeed, he but he's is. certainly trying. Yeah, I'm just scared. I hope that that guy doesn't come out. Yeah, I don't. Ooh. I think there ever was that guy. I don't think so either. I, I don't think, think it makes any sense. I think that guy came out whenever they had fights, so she thought, that's that guy. I think that Jerry Bruckheimer said, no, he'll be more interesting if he has a past. If he has a dark past. If he has a dark past. Mystery. So we'll just say it a couple of times in the film. <laughs> And then we get some bad news. And the bad news is that they found out the guys they have to unload, and those are the dead guys they just shot. Yeah, right. And there's an embonics joke because it's the mid-90s. Right. And uh, they need volunteers. 
And so Bobby volunteers to go because he needs to get his insulin. And Poe says he's going to stay because Bishop is still on the plane. He has yeah. to protect her. Because I don't know if you know this about Army Rangers. If you paid attention at the beginning <laughs> of the film, oh, yes. they said that Army Rangers never leave a man behind. Never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's. I think it was really important that we got that information early yep. on. Lay the groundwork. <laughs> But what's funny is this is how film structure works. Yeah. Like it is really obvious and on the nose in this movie. Yeah. And yet that is what you have to do. You have to establish that a character has a certain trait in order for it to make sense the thing that they do later on. Right, right. And unfortunately, Bobby O can't get off the plane because they're expecting white dudes. So he is out of luck. And so Poe volunteers because he says, well, look, I'll get off and I'll just start screaming in two hours They'll take the plane down. Right. Um, and they have the pilot. He's white. And we hear that there's a sandstorm, which makes this even better. <laughs> and we go back to Vacaville Prison, which I guess is where, um, which is up kind of close to the Bay Area where yep. I grew up. And I guess that's where Cyrus's cell is. And there's some guys in Cyrus' cell. And they see a little bit of dust. And they see a little bit of something soft. And they find kind of a hole in the wall. It is not behind a um, oh, Rita that, Hayworth poster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And they they uh, they grab and bag and gag the guards on the plane mm-hmm. and put the little wrist things on them and they're going to use them to get them to pretend they're the prisoners, which is pretty smart. Yeah. This Cyrus the virus guy, he seems like a smart dude. Kind of a smart dude. Um, and then Poe changes his mind. Yeah, because he realizes if he gets bagged and gagged then he's not going to be able to tell them in two hours. Right. And it might be a long time. And by then, Bobby O might be dead. And who knows what's going to happen to Bishop. So he makes up this lie. I got 15 years left. And I know I'd just hate myself if I thought I blew my one shot in a naked party freak and an umbrella drink. <laughs> and so they pick a guard. And Bishop whispers to Poe, Poe, think of your little girl. And he says, what will she think of me? Like you're still a ranger, we all gonna be in trouble. You're not that guy anymore. You're a convict. You know what I think it is? I think that in Poe's prison record in the folder, Ooh. it says Cameron Poe used to be that guy. Used to be that guy. Yeah, not that guy anymore. Not that guy anymore. <laughs> dot dot dot. Hopefully. Um, and Poe goes up to that guard that hassled him before, who's now got the bag and gag head on, yeah, hat, thing on, and he reaches into his pocket and takes out the picture and says, I "Told you I'd get that back." Fuck you, trailer trash. Hey, my mama lives in a trailer. Now put those on. I just saved your life. Back in the Vacaville prison in Cyrus's cell, they find a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> and they call up Cusack, who asks, whose cell is it? And they go, the virus. And he looks at pl- plans of planes and landing things and yeah. all this stuff. And he starts to go, oh, shit. Some smart guy, aren't you, Vince? Yeah. Uh, the plane lands in a sandstorm. Guards uh, are guarding this bus. They open up the bus. Cyrus comes out of the plane, uh, and we see Sindino. This is the uh, drug lord. And now Poe, who already got his picture back, is mm-hmm. back with the guard and saying, "Where did you get my daughter? Put my daughter's picture." And he puts the recorder on the guy. Yeah. And the uh, the bad guys and Cyrus and Sindino all come on the plane, and they go, "We took the plane." Um, and in comes a character who is a classic cliche of a gay man in prison. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. That's Sally Can't Dance is the character's name. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, 
This is the 90s. Yeah. This is a treatment of a certain kind of character that was done for comedy that probably we wouldn't handle quite in the same way today. Right. Um, Cusack's looking through the stuff and sees, finds some Spanish letter from a Bogota law firm. Um, back on the plane, MC Ganey shows up. This is Swamp Thing. I love MC Ganey. He's great. He's in lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he pulls the, tra- he gets in the pilot's chair, pulls the transponder out of the, the plane does some wiring with it or something. Pinball goes out of the bottom of the play with the transponder, grabs a bag from the car, puts the transponder in the bag, goes into a hangar, finds another plane, yep. puts the transponder in the plane. And then there's this woman who says, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And immediately he starts flirting with her. Yep. Goes into Mac mode. Yeah. By the way, his line, um, I'm from the Department of Erections. Corrections. <laughs> Apparently he improvised a lot on this. No. What? Chappelle? Chappelle? Uh, Cusack finds a picture of the Last Supper with all the eyes cut out of the faces. Creepy. It is creepy. And then we get one more late addition. We get another (laughs) criminal intro. And another movie reference. Oh, yeah. This is the full Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is Garland Green, Steve Buscemi. Um, I love that he's like, they grab him with poles that to me look like the poles they used in Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Like, it is so ridiculous how they set up this character. He's dressed all in white. The sound design from this is really great, which, by the way, was nominated for an Oscar. Oh! This film has two Oscar nominations. Wow! Yeah. This and Best Song. Oh, yeah. How Do I Live? How Do I Live? By the way, this is an interesting story behind that song. Do you know? Oh, no. What? So, originally, it was supposed to be, uh, what's it? Leanne Rimes. Really? So, they had Leanne Rimes record it. They didn't like it. They got Trisha Yearwood. So Trisha Yearwood recorded the song. I think I'm getting the facts here right. Leanne Rimes' people were so pissed that they released the song anyway. Really? Right. Wow. Without uh, the permission of the filmmakers or wow. the, because they had uh, they had recorded a version of the song. And hmm. they so the Trisha Yearwood version was released on Country Music Radio, and this, the Leanne Rimes version, was released on Pop Radio, and they battled really? uh, for supremacy. And people to this day still claim the Trisha Yearwood one is the better one, and I agree. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen. I I only yeah. I listened to it just now in the film. Right, right. So I have to go listen to Leanne Rhymes one. Yeah, I love. By the way, so we 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 introduce our Hannibal Lecter character, and I love their description of him: make the Manson family look like the Partridge family. <laughs> That's a good line. Cusack has figured out that these holes in the in the picture are for a code. He f- goes to the letter; it highlights certain uh, letters within that, and he figures out Carson City. Yeah. And he tells the guards, stay here, don't touch anything, runs away in slow-mo. Anytime someone runs away from in slow-mo, we can expect in a Bruckheimer movie, yeah. <laughs> there might be an explosion that happens next. Because yeah. the guard opens up a box, big, big explosion, and some metal piece of shrapnel goes right over Cusack's head. Yeah, Buses that have un- offloaded the prisoners, which are really guards, starts going away. Guy starts struggling. He hits him. As you do to the prisoners, which we right. established, which is what that guard did to the other prisoner. Yep. Um, and the the that tape with a big reel. I don't know. Even in the nineties, this cassette player, this this reel thing didn't really make sense. It's like a huge tape deck. It is pretty large. Falls out, and the reel rolls to the guard and hits him in the foot. And I love that in the sound design, you hear slow mo sound of the tape, <laughs> which makes no sense at all. Right. But kind of works. And the guard looks down and sees it. And the bus stops. And Nick sees that the bus has stopped. And then the bus keeps driving. And the guard calls it in. 
Yeah. Those guards ain't guards, they're cons. And the, one of the police there, the uh, guards there, goes, oh, no, and he grabs his gun, and he goes out, and Cyrus walks up to him and kills him. Yep. Uh, and they get on the plane, and they head off. Pinball has not made it back to the plane. Nope. He runs. There are multiple times in this thing where people are running alongside a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how fast that plane goes, but I know how fast humans run. Yeah. It's not that fast. Yeah. But he doesn't cl- keep up with the plane that takes off, and no one really cares. Yeah. Oh, except that in the window is the guy that he lit on fire. The Native American yeah. guy. He says, come on, Coochies. <laughs> Terrible. Um. Yes. Everybody cheers on board except Bobby, who puts his head down. And back at the hangar, we see a guy show up with a bunch of tourists because that is a tourist plane. And yep. we already know what's going to happen there. <laughs> so Cole Meany shows up and we hear he hears that Sims is dead. That's his agent. And yeah. he freaks out. And he yells at Cusack, and Cusack yells back, and he asks, "What's you know? What's your contingency?" It's like we we have no contingency. This situation has never been contemplated. <laughs> it's like, well, you were the super smart guy that had planned all this. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. you should have contemplated a little more, right? And Colm calls for choppers. Like, it, it, again, this is diehard. Yeah, we want we want uh, gunships. You know that yeah. Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson call Johnson for. And Johnson. And there's a question on board of what are we going to do with Garland Green? And Cyrus's response is, I don't know, but this is no way to treat a national treasure. Let him out. You sure? Love your work. (laughs) And there's great sound design as Ving Rhames leans in to take the mask off. Like he's going to just eat his hand. Yeah. That's what it looks like, which is perfectly set up by... Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Like, if we hadn't seen the signs of the lambs, none of this would work. Right. And we hear from our cops that we're tracking the plane to Arizona, and they're probably heading to the Monument Valley or Grand Canyon or something like that. And there's a radio call from Cusack, and he introduces himself. He introduces Agent Malloy. Um, Colm starts yelling. He's not very calm. No. And uh, (laughs) Cyrus's response is, I don't like him. If he speaks again, this conversation is terminated. And Cyrus sets up the rules. You get, I ask a question, you ask a question. Why would anyone believe that Cyrus is going to follow these rules? I don't know, because it's in the script. <laughs> oh, fair point. <laughs> okay, fair enough. He asks, how were they on to him? And Colmini starts to give the answer. Right, like an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Kuzak stops him and says, oh, no, someone who faked a heart attack. And that's right. how they figured it out. Um, and then he says... Ask, uh, where are you going with my plane? And he says, we're going to Disneyland. And then he starts singing. Nothing makes me sadder than the agent lost his bladder in the airplane. <laughs> just to dig it in. Just to dig it in. Yep. But he does tell Poe where they're going. Yeah. Which is Lerner Airport, wherever that is. And now we see his wife and his little daughter. And a U.S. Marshal shows up and says there's been a slight problem on the flight. Right. So they get to find them pretty quick. And Poe and Ving Rhames, he's asking, why are you taking orders from this white guy? It's a means to an end, my white friend. A means to an end. I love Ving Rhames. He's mm-hmm. so good. And he has just, he doesn't have that many moments in this nope. movie. And I think he is definitely, you know, I'm sure if we could interview Ving Rhames, he could talk about how he's pigeonholed into certain kind of roles. Oh, yeah. But he manages to, with a few lines in this movie, be charming and interesting and yeah. yet complicated. And Well, that's why you cast the way you cast. Yeah. To balance in the chemistry. Well, and this is something we can say about Bruckheimer. Certainly true of, of Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Is spotting people that are going to 
be interesting to populate your film. Yeah. It's a great moment. Poe is sitting with Bobby, and they're talking about... They somehow managed to get every creep and freak in the universe onto this one plane, and then somehow managed to let them take it over, and then somehow managed to stick us right smack in the middle. And there's the shots like a two shot on them, yeah. and the camera kind of moves to the side <laughs> just to reveal that sitting across the aisle from them <laughs> is Garland Green, yep. Buscemi all in white, and it's just this great pause, and Poe says, Hi, Garland. <laughs> I, I, I love how they handle Boucher's yeah. character. Yeah. And now Cusack has figured out who Cameron Poe is and that he's the ally. And we get, this is the, I'm telling you, you could listen to the, the, the description of Steven Seagal's character. You could listen to the description of Steven Seagal's character in right. Under Siege. You could, there's so many movies where, oh, they don't know who this person is. He's Green Bray with training and all these. How many movies have had this speech? Yeah. You know, and that's what we get right now. And of course, Cole Meany is just going off on it. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And he's, his plan is to blow up the whole plane. It's like, well, they're innocent people on there. It's like, I don't care. They're all, they're all animals. Yeah. Uh, and he said, when did they become animals? When they left civilization, to which Cusack's response is, The degree of civilization in a society can be judged by observing its prisoners. Dostoevsky said that after doing a little time. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> go ahead. Is that an accurate quote? I, yeah, I, I bet it is. Okay. I bet it is. Certainly, it sounds like a Dostoevsky quote. Uh, well, I certainly didn't want to apply it in this film. Now I feel like I should have looked up if Dostoevsky actually said this. Let's find out. Okay, will you take a look at that? What's the quote again? <laughs> The degree of civilization can be judged by by prisoners, prisoners, by its prisoners. Right, okay. This is the difference between having a character say smart things and having a character actually be smart. <laughs> Cusack certainly says things that are smart. Right. But he is, a, you know, the, he doesn't, he does become heroic at a certain point. Is this Dostoevsky? The degree of civilization in a society can be judged by entering its prisons. Fyodor Dostoevsky. Mm, that is not exactly the same quote. No. It's it similar, was, though. It's a little it's adjusted. The, it's in, the, sa- it's in the same time zone. Entering means you could yeah. visit. But uh, Malloy is like, we're going to shoot the plane down. And when Vince tries to argue with him, again, he says, we're DEA. Yeah. We have the right to do anything we want. Yeah, because uh, Cusack's pushing back going, how does he have jurisdiction? And he's like, we're DEA. We're DEA. Yeah. Man, I did not know the DEA was so powerful. They were back in the 90s. Um, we get on the attack choppers, and we're going after him. Yep. And we're back with Cyrus, who says the plan is we're going to change our aircraft. And the problem is we're dragging our landing gear. Right. Got to get it up somehow. Cyrus says, Ving. Yeah. You know, says, Diamond Dog, you go do it. And he calls Poe. And they go down into the cargo hold. And there they find paintball <laughs> stuck in the <laughs> landing gear. Ironic. Yeah. And while, while Poe is cutting him loose, Diamond Dog has discovered the arsenal. Yeah. And so while he's not looking, uh, Poe writes on his shirt to Vince what the airport is. And then Ving points a gun at, Co- uh, at Poe and says, Hillbilly, gotcha. <laughs> and then just goes, hurry up, man. <laughs> I love Ving Rames. It's just oh, these yeah. little moments where he's great. Playful confidence. Yep. He always has it. Uh, and they drop pinball. And then we're down in a car. And we're hearing classic music, <laughs> which I looked up. That is the theme from A Summer Place. Oh. And the reason I looked it up, because this movie, I so familiar to me, because it's an animal house. Oh, right. It's after the toga party. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah, exactly. It yeah. is. <laughs> and the husband's bitching in the car about just getting his car washed. And of course, we know that... 
and they all survive the accident. And then Billy stops Poe. Hold on. Yes. You're an intelligent science guy. Yes, I am. Would a gentleman falling from a plane at that height not just crash into the hood, but absolutely rip the car in half? At that speed, at that height, with that weight different. I think it would, I, I, I don't know the answer. Okay. But I'm going to direct you to something that has nothing to do with any of this, okay. except it's awesome. There is an episode of Radio Lab, which is a great podcast mm-hmm. show about sciencey things. And it is called, the title of the episode is The Terminal Velocity of Cats. Oh. And here is what the episode is about. This is, I'll make the digression as brief as possible. They found realized that there there were a lot of people in New York apartments yeah. that were on the 10th, 12th, 15th, 20th floor that would have their window open because they didn't have great ventilation, and their cats would go and sit on the window ledge. Right. And occasionally, these cats would fall out of the window. Oh, my God. And here is what they discovered. Cats from the first to, I don't have the numbers yeah. exactly, but it's like cats of the first to fourth floor would generally survive the fall. Of course. You know, because they land on their feet and they're pretty light. Cats on the, let's say, 4th until 15th floor would die. Wow. Cats above the 15th floor would not die. What? And they were going, what was causing? Because they would find these cats. They might be injured. Right. But they go, no, you fell off the 18th floor. Why are you not dead? The cat that fell off the 12th floor, they're all dead. Yeah. And what they tried, what they uh, speculated was that the fall was so long that you know you know what terminal velocity is. Yeah, you get the fastest you could go. Is the cat would be falling and falling and falling and hit terminal velocity and then relax huh. and spread out its paws. Yeah, and actually slow their fall down, wow. and so they could land more softly. Wow. This is what the speculation on the episode was. So I don't have an answer about how. I mean, I can certainly say if they're flying at several thousand feet, that guy's moving fast. Yes. But I don't know when a human hits terminal velocity. That's a really good question. I don't know the answer. I'm glad we've taken this time. Yes, I agree. Um, so uh, Billy, Billy Bedlam. Yeah. If you were in for 15 years, you should have been on my cell block, and I have never seen you. Mm-hmm. He's got him. He's got him. And Poe says... You see, there were 160 cats on North Block, and I didn't want to know 159 of them, which included you. What do you think about that? And he sits back down. Cool customer, that Poe. Yeah, Billy Bedlam is now just, he's a little suspicious, <laughs> but he's sated for now. And then we get a Garland Green little monologue on his character. Oh my God. He's a font of misplaced rage. Name your cliche. Mother held him too much or not enough. Last pick that kickball, late night sneaky uncle, whatever. Now he's so angry. Moments of levity actually cause him pain. <laughs> Moments of levity actually, actually cause, cause him pain. pain. Buscemi used correctly is always great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Vince meets with the mom and the daughter. Uh, Bing Rames is playing with some sunglasses and Billy goes downstairs. And now there's a conversation of why did Poe not get off the plane from Vince? And the answer is institutionalization. Yeah. Shawshank. And Vince has found Lerner Airfield on a map. Yeah. He calls the copter, which is where Malloy is, and they're off in Arizona. They say, no, we have a vector. We know where we're going. You know, shut up. And they basically hang up on him. Right. Um, Vince calls for a plane or a chopper. No, there's nothing. There's nothing here. And they say, well, it's Lerner Airport. If you got a fast car, you could drive to it. Yeah. And he walks out. He looks, grabs his keys to his shitty car, which is part right next to the Corvette. Yeah. And he takes the Corvette. As kicker. Yeah. 
Um, ass kicker. <laughs> um, I love the angles, the camera angles on him while he's driving. There are these low angles shooting up at him. There's camera, you know, it looks really, really good. Do you think he's actually driving? No. Right. It's just no, on, it's a on a soundstage, right? Or the train? No, no, I think he's on a, I think he's on a, a car truck. I think he's on oh, yeah, it's a picture right. car. Good so he's point. on a trailer being hauled behind a truck. Yeah. Because it looks like he's, it doesn't look like process. Right. Yeah. Right. Good call. And then as Billy's down in the hold, he finds the parole. Yeah. And he's holding the bunny, by the way. And as he's looking up, we see Poe coming up behind him. Put the bunny back in the box. Because <laughs> his honor code extends to stuffed animals. Yes. Especially I, stuffed animals for his daughter. Yeah. No, this is really serious. Yeah. I said, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> A lot of levels Paul's working on. <laughs> it means a lot of things now, put the money back in the box. Is he being that guy yet? Quite the opposite. Okay. Yeah. So he's not being the guy. Nice, cool, calm, and collected. They have a quick fight in sort of a low area yep. and then knocks out like some steam pipe or something and yeah. impales him on it. Why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? And as Poe puts the money back in the box, we cut to our attack helicopters who, as far as they know, are very close to their target. We're seconds away from establishing visual contact. And they come around through Monument Valley and are about to attack the tourist plane. Holy shit! Oops. Which is what Cusack told him. Yep. So Poe comes up after killing Billy Bedlam. Yep. And who does he run into but Garland, who says, two went up, two went down, one came up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a little thing about the necessity of murder. Most murders are crimes of necessity rather than desire, but the great ones, Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy, they did it because it excited them. I also find it interesting because he comes back up and Nicolas Cage feels bad. Cameron Poe feels bad for what yeah. he's done, even though he had a quip after he killed the guy. So which does he feel bad for making the quip or the murder, I wonder? <laughs> you think it was because of the bunny quip? Yeah. <laughs> they, I think that was that guy, the Maybe. guy who made the quip. You, not the guy who killed him. Not the guy who that killed him. That was an honorable That's an honorable death. The guy who made the joke. Yeah. That was that guy. That's guy was making... that the thing that she was hoping he wouldn't do with the drunks in the bar was yes. quip? Yes. Wow. Kill them and then a, make a joke. I think there's a whole other... She was fine with him killing Yeah, him. right, right. Just please don't make those jokes. Just don't make a threesome joke. <laughs> oh, my God. Those three guys fighting <laughs> And then as he's talking about murder and semantics, Garland Green says... One girl, I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. <laughs> the casualness with which they uh, talk about his stuff is frustrating at times. <laughs> When you watch but, the movie now, th th this to me is just the him doing. I ate his liver with, you know, yeah, some right. fava beans and a nice Chianti. True. <laughs> Vince arrives at Lerner Airport, which is I think uh, Wendover Airport in Utah, mm -hmm. and there's just this huge, ridiculous airplane graveyard. A, you know, a Bruckheimer set. Yep. Because it's always like, we you remember what, remember when we did Top Gun, mm -hmm. and they talked about having the first classes in the classroom, right? And the they have all the advisors there, and the advisor has the call sheet, and it says, we're meeting in the airplane hangar. Why? We have a classroom. It's right over here. And they said, no, no, we're not going to shoot in the classroom. It's going to look good. He's like, well, we would never have a classroom in an airplane hangar. That doesn't make any sense. And they go into the airplane hangar, and there's planes and American flags, and that's Bruckheimer. <laughs> yep. You know, why do it Why do it in a normal place when you could do it in a ridiculous place? Yeah. And there's a plane coming into land and Vince goes up to the tower and we hear him, the guy in the plane, the pilot calling for Phil. 
Vince finds Phil. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> and then the big con airplane is coming in and it buzzes the tower and scares the crap out of the small plane, almost crashes. The guy jumps out of the plane, runs away. And the con airplane has to pull up and then try to land again. And it can't stop. And Vince is in some sh- in the shed. He's looking up out of a trap door. It gets knocked over. Um, and the plane manages to just stop before hitting the propane tank. So close. Um, very, very close. It's like, it's like a, I remember in Star Tours, the original Star Tours, you would, you would crash land as the very end of the ride right before the propane tank. Right. Or with the fuel tank. And they come out of that door very dramatically lit. Um, the convicts all cheer. And now we're looking around to find the jet. They're supposed yeah. to be met by a jet and there's nothing there. And Poe wants to get Bobby off the plane, but they can't move him because he's going to go into shock. Right. I don't know that much about type one diabetes and insulin. This seems like a very extreme reaction. What's <laughs> happening to him in the, like the 20, you know, the 14 hours since he's had insulin, but right. <clears throat> but now we go, look, I'm get. I need a needle and you have to get one. And Poe's like, I'm going to get you that needle. I'm going to get you the needle. And Ving, Ving Rames is ready to kill the cop, the guards and right. Poe stops him because they still need him for leverage. So he's still being a hero. Um, and he's right. He's totally right. Be, well, th- this is what turns out to be right. This is why Cyrus likes him. Yeah. And now we go, okay, we got to refuel the plane and dig it out because it's kind of into the sand. Yeah. And uh, we don't see the jet that we're supposed to find. And then we see Garland. Garland Green is off walking past these fences in this weird area, which I think was there at Wendover Air Force Base. Yeah, this old abandoned uh, airport. And Garland walks up and finds this little kid at a trailer. Hi, what's your name? Want to (laughs) play? And now we're, it's very weird because it's all played kind of for, I would say, creepy laughs. Yes. You know, it's like, okay, here's the serial killer who wore a girl's head for a hat over three states. Yeah. And now he has found a little girl who is playing with her dolls in a dried up pool. Yeah. It's, a, again, a great set. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, do you want to play with me? Right. And he, all dressed in white and with a very creepy expression in his face, sits down to play with her. Um, Convicts are... Digging out the plane, Poe's walking into like some uh, hangar, I guess, and he suddenly spots the jet, yeah, the drug lord's jet. And just as he does, some guy grabs him, and now he's surrounded by a bunch of the drug cartel guys. And but Vince comes out with his gun and says, Freeze! And now Poe just wipes him out. Yep. He does a nice kick in there that I'm pretty sure is Nick Cage. Yep. It looks pretty good. His he, fight scene is pretty good. He becomes that guy for a few seconds. Is that... Wait, but he didn't quip. Hmm. I don't know about your theory now. I, that's a good point. He didn't quip. But I think because Cusack interrupted him before the quip. Hmm. Right? Having the gun on, you can't really quip with the gun pulled on you. Well, he does get pretty quippy with Vince in a moment at the end of the fight scene. Can I lower this? Go ahead. You're going to lower yours? Sorry, boss. But there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you. Ironically, they have a Mexican standoff in the front of the cartel guys. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I could say that because I'm Latino. Guy. I certainly wasn't going to say it. I could say people have a Jewish standoff. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and while Nick is fighting these guys in the drug cartel, Danny Trejo is up on the tower and he sees a bunch of dust coming. Um, 
he looks good too. He's big in this movie. Oh yeah, Danny yeah. is. Yeah. He, he had definitely done some lifting. Well, I think he was probably just out of like probably a few years out of uh, Lompoc. Uh, all the places he served. I think that's earlier. I think that's. I think he was in the because he. I just I just heard a really long interview with him. Oh okay. Might have been on the Sporkful, strange enough, which is a food podcast. Right, right. Um, I think he got out in the late seventies, early eighties. Oh wow. There's some time. Okay. Uh, before he, you know, because he was working as a parole officer for a while, and then it was he. Damn he had trade, like a guy boy. he was working with that was off on a movie set, and he went to visit him or yeah. something, and that's how he ended up getting in. Yeah. He's fascinating. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. Danny Trejo. So he sees some cops are coming up because Vince had called cops. There's dust coming that way. And then uh, we have Vince and Poe and they're, um, I'm respectfully saying they're Latino standoff. Yeah. Yep. And they talk a little bit. He says he spoke to his wife and yep. we kind of get into what the reason that he's not going out, not leaving the plane are. And he says, don't you want to see your little girl? And he says, if you talk to my wife again, you tell her, I love her. She's my hummingbird. But I couldn't leave a fallen man behind. Because that is what was planted at the very beginning. Yep. And then he asks, what are you going to do? And he says, what do you think I'm going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. <laughs> he walks out. And this is where it's like, this is not serious. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is fun as hell. This is ridiculous fun. Yep. The other thing we noticed is there was a pilot on the plane, and he is awake. Yep. Um, the cars are coming in, and F, we see all these prisoners with ropes pulling the plane out of the sand. <laughs> so, yes, I did look up how much a C-123 weighs. Okay. Between thirty-five and 50,000 pounds. Wow. <laughs> so you're saying that a bunch of convicts probably couldn't pull this plane. No, even with, like, they have a tractor also. No, no. they're not They're not moving this thing. Fair out. enough. So we might say this is, and there's a shot of Ving Rhames with a whip, whipping them. Ah, that was so weird. <laughs> it's really weird. The helicopter's 10 minutes out. Garland is, playing, is still playing with a girl. She asks, are you sick? Why do you ask? You look sick. I am sick. You take medicine? There is no medicine for what I have. And then she says, let's sing the whole world in his hand. And they do. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. And he seems genuinely like um, moved by this. That he's yes. asked by her to sing this song. Yes, that was like an honor. <laughs> and it is. It is. It manages to walk this weird line of. In any other circumstances, this would just be truly horrendous. Yes. In this particular movie, there's a weird, horrendous fun in it. Do you know what I mean? It walks the line between creepy and humanizing him. Well, and comedic. Yes. Because we know this isn't a this isn't a scary movie. You know, right. we're not in that kind of movie. Right, right. You know? So we're not supposed to feel strong emotions. Yeah. So you kind of just like, okay. Um it's like a, it's like a um I don't know. It's not a satire. It's like a um an homage or something to a horror movie. And okay. I don't know. It's weird. I'll agree with that. Uh, the cars are coming in and the plane comes, the jet plane comes out and blows Jin Vince off the his feet by the mm -hmm. jet engines. And Cyrus sees it and yells, that's my fucking plane. And Vince 
runs um, along the jet. It's another time where someone can run along with jet. Mm-hmm. And we lower this crane on and it rips the gen to pieces. The plane crashes into the gas station. Poe runs away. Sparks are flying. Vince hides. And there's Francisco standing at the plane. Gas is everywhere. And he begs for help from Cyrus. And Cyrus says, looks like you missed your connection. Grabs a cigarette. And in slow-mo, Francisco yells, please, Cy. Mm-hmm. And Cyrus finishes it with, Onara. <laughs> Sai Onara. Perfect. <laughs> Ridiculously so. Yeah. Um, and then we have Poe running away from the explosion, diving through a, a window. I mean, it is... It's perfect stuff. It's, yeah. It is as perfect as you can get. <laughs> and he ends up under a truck with some dude. Some old timer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and who goes, don't kill me. And he goes, I'm not going to kill you. He asks for a syringe and the guy immediately turns to... Oh. Drugs aren't the answer, son. <laughs> um, Cyrus uh, finds dead Billy in the belly of the plane and all the weapons. Now he lays out a plan for his guys. <laughs> and he's got like, you know, rocks and things like mm-hmm. that of saying what they're going to do, which is basically trap all the cop cars, blow them up with propane. Yeah. And now we cut back to that table where Garland Green was sitting with the little girl. No little girl. Nope. Broken teacup. Yeah. And that, I think, is the moment where you go, oh, shit, is this movie actually going to go to this horrible place? Spoiler alert. No, it's it's not. It's not. Um, Cons are locking and loading. Poe finds a paramedic truck where he finally finds the syringe he needs to save Bobby's life. The trucks are coming in, and they are bad guys open fire, and there is, let's just say, lots of destruction and explosions and burning cars and crashing cars and stunts. Yeah. Great shot of Danny Trejo walking in slow-mo up to the plane. Vince tries to get a, a bulldozer moving. And then there's this moment of post line. I mean, the, the degrees of ridiculousness go up. His line is, Well, baby, it's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out here. Let's do it. And then in slow motion with electric guitars an explosion all around he charges through to become the hero yeah bishop's fighting back against treo there's more crazy explosions we got vince got the bulldozer going by hot wiring it he's protecting some of the cops uh poe gets in a cop car which is on fire and is driving it towards the plane <laughs> he grabs a rope ties the plane down to a big concrete something or other yeah and treo says when you wake up bishop i'll be draw- johnny 24 <laughs> And then pose there. Don't treat women like that. Again, full Nick Cage. Yeah, so good. We have Garland walking in slow motion with that doll. And and Treo's all chained up. Bishop kicks him. Garland straps in. They get the insulin to Bobby. They start to try to fly away. Realize they're tied up. They shoot the rope. The rope gets free, goes, flies through a shack. And what does it catch on? <laughs> As kicker. The Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> At this, and again, this is where I can tell you all sorts of things that make no sense in this movie, yeah. but it knows it because it hooks on and we have a flying Corvette um, and they see the car literally following uh, the plane in the air. Right. And Malloy sees it because the helicopter has arrived. Couldn't be. I left mine in the office. <laughs> and then from inside the plane, Poe says, looking out at the car, on any other day, that might seem strange. Yeah. <laughs> They crash the car through the tower, and it finally crashes down, of course, right in front of our three main guys, Vince, Malloy, and whoever the other guy is. Right. Um, and we see the ass kicker license plate. And here I'll give throw in one filmmaking thing. Okay. 
which is, you know, it looks like that car crashes right in front of them. Yeah. And that would be very unsafe. Right. And this is where you use a very long lens because long lenses compress space. So they were probably really far back. Yeah. But the lens choice makes it look like it's much closer. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So there, we got some filmmaking into Con Air. Into Con Air of all places. Do you remember the song that's playing? Sweet Home Alabama. Leonard Skinner. And then... Garland's line. <laughs> yeah. Define irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. <laughs> that's funny. Still one of my favorite lines in the movie. Yep. And it's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. You can't, you know, Sweet Home Alabama is a fantastic song. Which is a pushback to Neil Young. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because he has the line in, um, yeah. I forget which song it is. Um, but well, yes. It's in, yeah. it's in Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Cause, but Neil Young says something about Alabama and George Wallace or something? I don't is remember. Yeah, I think it was I hope something. Neil Young will remember. I think it's an Alabama man, Alabama man don't need him around any hour. Something, something like, like that. that, yeah. Um, well, Look that go. up, kids. Look that up. Yeah. See, the cinephiles, even on Con Air, we yeah. can bring out some tidbits. We educate <laughs> Now, Ving Rhames, Diamond Dog, has found the letter in Poe's box. He brings it to Cyrus. Cyrus has figured it out. Someone alerted the authorities. Someone tied the plane down. Hmm. Bobby tries to say it was him. Yeah, motherfucker, it was me. No, he's, he's flipped out, man. He's nuts. It's pretty clever, huh, bitch? Jesus! No! That's clever! And then Cyrus starts reading the letter. My daddy is coming home on July 14th. My birthday is July 14th. <laughs> and then uh, Poe gets up and he says, make a move and the bunny gets it. <laughs> Which is so weird. <laughs> no, it's... We, 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 look, we're in full ridiculous. How would he know that the bunny is the no, issue? Right, or right. that he doesn't know about put the bunny back in right. the box? He doesn't know. It doesn't make any sense at all. By the way, he never says put the bunny down, does he? No, he says put the bunny back right. in the box. Uh, so many people think he says put the bunny down. That's the quote du jour. Hmm. Uh, anyway, go ahead. And the helicopters open fire. Fire! And back on board the Con Air, Baby O is bleeding and says... I got a bad feeling, son. Feeling like maybe I'm not supposed to make it. All I can think about is like, there ain't no God. Like, he don't exist. That's some deep stuff, man. All of a sudden, it's a moment of existential yeah. doubt in the middle of Con Air. In the middle of Con Air. Come on now. And then Poe stands up. He says, "Where are you going?" He says, "I'm gonna show you God does exist." Damn right. I mean, that is as, as as big as his lines have been up to this point. Yeah. I'm going to save the fucking day. Now he's going to prove that God exists. In service to, to, to yeah. the exalted one. Um, and Poe, despite the fact that the plane is under fire, walks forward, takes one guy out with a broken bottle, walks unflinching towards a guy with a gun, takes a shot in the arm, has no reaction. Nope. No pain whatsoever. He's focused. He's that guy. The plane is swerving and diving. He has this doesn't affect his balance at all. <laughs> um, He's here to save the day, man. Malloy has switched from his machine gun to missiles, and Vince at this moment, who is in the other copter, flies in in his way to yep. stop him to protect the plane. And then there's this moment where Poe gets jumped on by Sally Can't Dance, who's now in a dress, right. starts to make a fist and then slaps her. Yeah, yeah. All right. He gets in the cop pack. Tells. Uh, swamp thing to land the plane and has taken over. Yep. And then Cyrus is trying to get into the cockpit. He's shooting his way through the gate. Mm -hmm. And Vince gives some instructions. We've cleared all the 
uh, the runways at the Las Vegas airport. Just make it there. Well, Las Vegas. Unfortunately, can't make it there because we are running out of fuel. Yeah. And he's going to have to put that down, thing down. And he's going to, he says, Strip's where I'm going to land. Only the word is crash. <laughs> and puts on a helmet. An army helmet. <laughs> yeah. And the plane swoops down. It takes out the guitar <laughs> handle at the at the hard rock. That's product placement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. As we're going down, Buscemi is on the plane, starts singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> he's having a ball. Yeah. They crash land onto the strip. Buscemi is still uh, singing along. Mm-hmm. And they go forward through like the fountain and crash right into a casino. Yeah. Which is the Sands Casino, which was being torn down the next month. Oh wow! That's how they sh- that's how they did this. <laughs> oh wow! That's a great producer right yep. there. He's like, oh, you're going to tear down your casino? Fantastic! Let's come destroy it. Yep. And they crash into the into the casino. Um, they crash into a white Corvette, which mm-hmm. which was parked illegally or something. <laughs> After the crash, Sally Can't Dance comes out and gets kind of. They think that she's a victim, and so yeah. they kind of take her away. And Poe gets up and. Uh, he helps up Bishop. He finds baby, you know, again, I think we're all going to be good. Yeah. Vince comes up with a gun. Baby gets taken away in an ambulance. Seems like the movie's over. And then Malkovich comes out of the plane at the bottom upside down. The bad guys are crawling out underneath the plane. Mm -hmm. And there's a little moment where the cops come in and find Danny Trejo. (laughs) It's a great little visual (laughs) joke. You think he's hanging by his arm, but in fact, no, his arm is ripped clean off and he's dead. And we see the mom and kid get out of a helicopter, and yeah. so does Poe. And then we see Cyrus has stolen a fire truck. And we're not done yet. Nope. This is like classic fourth act. The movie really should be over, but we're gonna. I, I remember this is where this is where I'm out. Honestly, yeah. like this is where I'm like I'm. Uh, you know, you that's too far. You took it took a little too <laughs> far for me. But we're gonna have one more action sequence off on the fire truck Hell through yeah. downtown Las Vegas. There's more money in the production budget. I guess they so. Had to spend it. Um, Ving is open firing at him. Vince is firing. Uh, Cyrus fires at them with a water cannon, and, and then Poe does this like managed to leap onto the ladder at the back of the fire truck flinging his uh motorcycle at ving rames taking him out and then as he hangs from the ladder uh cyrus above it is hitting down to him with some giant pike yeah and he manages to grab it break it off and drive it into cyrus's (laughs) ankle what a stud yeah vince also gets on the fire truck and he climbs up on top and with an axe cuts a hole in the top an exposing Swamp Thing, who he says to pull over, who doesn't listen. So he right. shoots him with a hose. <laughs> Cyrus is on the ladder, which which Poe is raising up in a tunnel. Yeah. They come out of the tunnel. The ladder goes into like <laughs> through a bridge, flinging yeah. Cyrus through some electric wires. And they finally find him like in some crazy machine. Construction, yeah. Which then crushes his head. Yeah. So... Now we've got... Oh, and one other thing is the final crash was through a armored car. Yes, and you get the classic jumping, flailing in the wind uh, Cameron Poe there mm. that's so great with the dollar bills <laughs> Dollar bills around. everywhere. It's such a great... You could almost see the cushion that he yep. fell on or jumped onto, so it was great. And we have we have reached the end of the action sequence. Um the bunny is going down a gutter and Poe saves it at the last possible moment. Of course. And turns to Vince Cusack and says, just so you know, Marshall Larkin, 
They're now three men I trust. <laughs> wow. That's deep. Brought man. all that together. Yeah. You know who the third guy is? Who's that? The other guy. The, oh, yeah. He trusts himself. Right. Vince. And the other guy. And the other guy. Yeah. And then a cop finds a doll, the doll that Garland Green had been playing with. And we go, oh. Oh, yeah. We should say the little girl doesn't die and is oh, waving the, the plane off. So, yeah. yes. She waved the, I'm glad that you said that because, yes, that is very important. He did not, in fact, kill the girl. I am. Sh- I can picture the production meeting <laughs> where they go, well, should he? And, and, and I bet it's Bruckheimer goes, we want to make him think he killed the girl. Right. But we're not killing the little girl. Right. And we have our final moment with Poe and his daughter, who at first is, you know, justifiably freaked out. Yeah. And doesn't want this ratty bunny. But then she, mom forces her to give dad a hug. Yeah. And we get our song back. And I think, I think everything's going to be okay. Yeah. But we do have one last moment with Garland Green. New shooter coming out. New shooter. Does the new shooter feel lucky? Well, does he? Yes. And we roll credits. And I like that they do video credits. Mm-hmm. That is not a thing from a serious movie. Just like Armageddon. Oh, that's true, huh? The end of Armageddon is all the wedding between yeah. Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler. But that is emotional. Like, Armageddon wants you to be crying. The oh, whole thing. yeah. And of course it does. This one does not. <laughs> no, this one wants you to be enjoying it. <laughs> this is just... Like a big smile. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because how does the Silence of the Lamb ends with Hannibal Lecter out about to go kill someone? Yeah. And that's kind of what we do here. And quipping. And quipping. An old friend for dinner. An yes. old friend for dinner. Um, so that is the end of Con Air. <laughs> it grossed $224 million. Damn right it did. $75 million. Nominated for two Oscars. The song, How Did I Live, was nominated for both an Oscar and a Razzie. Oh, a Razzie? Nominated for both. That's not neither. right. That's a good song. The the plane, the jailbird, was actually this is sad, but it was interesting. It was bought by a company, a freight company in Alaska. Oh. And it crashed, killing all three people aboard near Denali National Park. Oh, that's a shame. It is a shame. Damn. I didn't mean to end Con Air on a low note. Well John, do you have final thoughts about this movie? <laughs> they toss it right to me. Uh, I could say mine. This is this is an incredibly fun film that holds up. It's a breakneck speed from beginning to end, littered with some really fantastic and notable actors doing enjoying themselves. And that's the thing yes. I, I want to make sure, and I want to make clear to fans sometimes. Fans sometimes get caught up with these highfalutin ideals about actors or directors. I've been or, known to highfalute in yeah, time. Well, yeah, producers or what have you, but actors are playing. They're playing. And yeah. sometimes... They want to play in a large uh, sandbox, and Con Air is that large sandbox. It is crazy. It is out there. But as Steve said, it's meta. It comments on what it is trying to uh, give an homage to or slightly parody. It's these high-end action movies with massive explosions. But I think its tongue is firmly planted in its cheek, which helps you to enjoy the movie and not take it seriously because... No one else is taking it seriously, and they're all having a damn good time in this crazy uh, theme park of a ride of a movie. Uh, and at the end, you do get a beautiful moment between Nicolas Cage and sure. Monica Potter as this family is reunited uh, that Wayne Grow tried to destroy. So that's what I would say. Wayne Grow. Yeah, goddamn Wayne Grow. Um, so here's the thing. Do I think this is a great film? No. 
this is a guilty pleasure. Damn right. And they're very personal. Yeah. They're just a movie that you saw at the right time that you go, you know what? I can, I can see all the flaws in this film and I still like it. And the thing is, is what's interesting about this movie is you say they know about all the flaws. Oh yeah. And what's so much fun is seeing all this group of many fine actors. I don't know how many award nominees we have in this cast. Certainly there are a, a bunch of people mm -hmm. that have done a lot of interesting work. Yes. Jumping into like, let's explore the ridiculous cliche of the serial killer and the black nationalist and the rapist and the right. and the the army ranger who just needs to get home who doesn't want to let that other guy out. Right, like let's explore all that, and it's totally silly '90s action fun. Yeah, and turn off your PC brain, and you can enjoy this yeah. movie. Yeah, you can have issues with it. I get it. Sure, but you can turn off your PC brain and enjoy the movie for what it is. Yeah. So that's what we think about Con Air. I hope you've enjoyed this little journey through the film. Of course, we want to hear what you think. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for the Cinephiles, and it's come up a couple times. I know on Twitter is yeah. uh, if you guys want to know the movie that's coming next, the first place it comes out is on Facebook. Yes. So uh, if you become a Facebook fan of the Cinephiles, and you will get the inside scoop of the movies that are coming a little earlier. Yeah. Um, and if you want to support the show you can do so on patreon.com slash the cinephiles where ken reels made this suggestion and that's part of why we're doing this film right now yeah. um please subscribe to us on itunes or on youtube leave comments on youtube reviews on itunes visit cinephiles.net and buy a copy of con air or any other movie we've ever reviewed or maybe buy your pepper mill or maybe a new pair of shoes there anything you could buy in the sure. world through amazon you can do through cinephiles.net mm -hmm. there's one more thing i want to bring up go ahead we are now, I think this is going to be episode 143. Wow. Which means we are coming up on our 150th episode. Yes. And that means we've been doing this, John, for three years. What? Yeah. Has it been three In years? fact, I think our first episode came out three years uh, day after tomorrow. Wow. I think it was June 6th, Holy 2016. Wow. So uh, to celebrate, I think we're going to do another Q&A. Yeah. So if you have questions you want to send to John or I about movies or really about anything you want us to talk about, of course. please send them to our email address, which is thecinephiles1941 at gmail.com. Thecinephiles1941 at gmail.com uh, for all of your Q&A needs. And as always... You could reach me on Twitter at SR Morris. You can reach me on Instagram at SR Morris One. And John, if they wanted to reach you, how would they do that? You can reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram, or you can reach the other guy at, no. at the Roca Kill at the Roca Quips. Roca Quips. <laughs> Is he at Hotmail? Because yeah, right. he hasn't it's come a, out in a long no, time. But it's at Hotmail. It's at uh, uh, Earthlink.net. <laughs> Earthlink.net. Um, and also, uh, I don't know if you said this, Steve. Don't forget to do ratings and reviews oh, on absolutely. iTunes and things of that nature. I know a lot of you have been listening to us consistently for those three years, but there are some new people. Those of you who are new, go over there and leave us a review. Leave us uh, ratings on iTunes or wherever the podcast you listen to it because it helps us move up into the rankings and get seen by more and more people and new fans like you can uh, motivate other new fans to discover the show and enjoy it as much as you all are enjoying it. Um, and uh, I think we've got some stuff coming up soon, some changes coming up soon that'll be fun, uh, that'll work out for, all, for everyone involved and uh, hopefully we will have the show available on even more platforms. So that'll be That'd fun. be great. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for this week. We will see you next time for what may maybe more people would be considered a great <laughs> film on the Cinephiles. <laughs>